welcome to the Geeking Poetic Podcast channel. On this channel, we have shows and segments that contain adult humor. Bad language, dirty jokes. And other stuff that is strictly for mature audiences only. So if you're too young or too sensitive for this kind of material, then please do not watch our channel or our videos. This channel is not for you. Thanks much. And now, on with the show! Not to follow. <laughs> There I am. Hey, everybody. We're all, all good now? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to start over a little bit. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us here at Geeking Poetic Podcast. As I said, I'm Larry Roberts. Megan we got Guess. Megan Guest over here. She's she's supposed to be, she's like my, uh, my little message relayer. She's <laughs> going to be in the chat, answering you guys in the chat and everything. Um, so, yeah, as I was saying earlier before the technical difficulties, this is going to be an episode uh, all about music discussion. Well, the, every time we do spin to win, it's always going to be about music discussion. I already had Matt ask me, he's like, do you win something? It's like, no, <laughs> There's no. no winning. There's Knowledge no, is winning. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is no winning. Uh, it's spin to win. I'm using that as a euphemism for spinning records or CDs or cassettes, any, anything you got to spin basically music unless it's you know, digital, which, you know, boo, boo, digital. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I love digital music. It's very convenient to have, but I love records. I love all the different formats. So I'm going to be talking a lot about that. And as I was saying earlier, I chose 1973 because that's the year I was born. I just had a birthday and there is a lot. Happy birthday, Larry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm very old. I'm not going to say my age. Like I said, you guys do the math and everything, figure it out. But um, anyway, so I decided that I would pick 1973. I knew I had all the records that, well, or most of the records that I wanted to discuss on here. There's too many of them. I just, I tried my best to narrow it all down. I'm letting you right know right now, number five is a tie. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I mean, I know I'm like totally not getting off on the right foot with this and everything, but there was just no way. It was a good year. It was a really good year. As it is, there's stuff I'm probably still not going to get have time to mention and get Maybe into. Maybe they'll mention it in the, the chat here. So yeah. And excuse to talk about it. Exactly. And I encourage we'll you guys. you guys. Yeah. I encourage you guys and gals and everybody to let a, let me know not only what you think of my picks, if any of them are ones that you like or anything, but you know if there's ones that I don't think of, because there were, there were hundreds of records, I'm sure, released in 1973. So I'm only going to get into, including honorable mentions, I'm going to maybe get into... 10 or 12 of them at the most, you know? Okay. <laughs> well, the honorable mentions are going to get mentioned quickly and honorably. <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah, we will see about that. All right. Well, you know what? Without any further ado, I'm just going to jump right into it and I'm going to go with number five. Number five is, like I said, a tie. Uh, <laughs> I was no way around it. <laughs> if, if it was left up to me, I would have had like five different records for a tie. But my number five is uh, a debut. There's, I think there's a couple of debut albums that came in this list uh, in the top five. And this debut is none other than Queen, the first Queen album. I just, 
Nice. Anybody, yeah, anybody that knows me knows uh, that I am a big, big Queen fan. They're probably in my, no, they are in my top five favorite bands of all time. Now, <clears throat> the first Queen album doesn't get quite the respect that it deserves. I feel like because it didn't have any major hits, at least over here in North America, um, I feel like this gets overlooked a lot you know stateside most people didn't really start picking up on queen here until at least the second album and even more so with sheer heart attack and then of course night at the opera bohemian rhapsody all that kind of stuff we're getting some good comments they are agreeing with your choice good good (laughs) hey john and joe oh yeah and chuck and mom and everybody oh it's good (laughs) we got we got a good gang going here but yeah this is a really really cool album and what's interesting is unlike a lot of people's debut albums um it's all here i mean like all of the brilliance of queen was already evident in this first album now they refined it. It got better over the years. Uh, you know, obviously, there's nothing on here that's quite up to the level of Night at the Opera, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, <laughs> that my, you're my best friend, somebody to love, all that kind of stuff that they did later. But all of the elements, the operatic stuff, the amazing layers of guitar stuff, uh, the fact that everybody in the band right off the bat was writing music for the band, which was so unusual. I mean, mm-hmm. not not many bands, even even the Beatles I mean, Ringo had songs, but usually they were either cover songs or John and Paul wrote them for him. You know what I mean? Like Ringo didn't write Yellow Submarine. That was written for him. In this band, everybody wrote songs and every member of the band had massive hits. Even the the bass player, who most people, if you're not like a big fan, doesn't don't even remember his name, mm-hmm. John Deacon wrote some of some of their greatest songs. Man, he wrote another one, "Bites the Dust." He wrote "You're My Best Friend." He wrote he wrote oh, some. Wow. Yeah, the that drummer. Yeah, the drummer Roger Taylor. He wrote "Radio Gaga." He wrote, uh, "Gosh, man, he wrote so many things." I'm in love with my car. He wrote a like he you know every member of the band had big hits, uh, and it was all right here in this first album. And uh, songs I would recommend if you don't have time to check out the whole album, but you're curious, I would say the most famous song off of here that they not now they play it on radio a little bit because of the movie that came out a few years ago and everything. But um, yes, Deacon John. Exactly. I don't know why they called him Deacon John. It's it's here on the back of the album. Uh, but they they dropped that whole silly thing after a while. They also called Roger Roger Meadows Taylor. <laughs> they were trying to be all fancy on the first album and by the second album they were like enough Whatever. of that yeah exactly <laughs> but i would recommend of course keep yourself alive that's the one most people are going to know joe says that's his all time favorite really mm-hmm. nice that's a, it's a great great song it's a great start but i mean again you listen to it and it's all right there that's a great song the song liar is a great song uh my fairy king uh especially that one you really hear where they went later when they got super dramatic operatic and stuff all right here but i have a lot of records to get into so i can't moving on next. yeah i'm cutting them off moving along here <laughs> so the tie record now this is an obscure this is the most obscure record of the bunch uh this is uh, not a debut album, but it is an album from a band from Australia. See, I'm going to get all over the world here. <laughs> and this is a band that maybe some, you know, acid rock, heavy rock, hard rock, metal guys might know. But it is an album by a band called Buffalo. 
And Where the buffalo roam? <laughs> yeah, they roam in Australia apparently. Apparently, I didn't know that. Um this is this is an album it's called Volcanic Rock. Now, um I'm really really into more of like obscure 70s rock stuff. To be honest with you, this is when it comes to like heavy music. I know a lot of people because of November's Doom and stuff think like that I'm going to be this big death metal guy and this big like super brutal guy. It and I and I I have a history enjoy of it. yeah, I enjoy some of it. But really the my bread is buttered so to speak with 70s heavy rock stuff. Everything from like Steppenwolf and Blue Cheer and Jimi Hendrix and stuff on through Sabbath and Floyd and Zeppelin and all that kind of stuff. And those bands are all great. But what a lot of you don't know is that just like now, even back in the 70s and the late 60s, there were, quote unquote, underground bands. Now, these are bands that put albums out. They toured. Uh, they had some fame but they never really got big and as such they don't get played on classic rock radio a lot of times their records are out of print this this record was out of print for gosh probably almost 40 years um and there's some really really great stuff now this band buffalo if you're a fan of let's say if you're a fan of like early black sabbath and you're a fan of like john k steppenwolf if you're a fan of, um, I don't know, even some of the heavier Beatles stuff, you know, Helter Skelter and those kind of things, this falls like right in line with that. It's got a great heavy guitar sound, but uh, you know, none of the none of the subjects. It's not satanic or any of that cheesy crap like that. It's just songs about drinking and women and <laughs> good old rock and roll topics and stuff. And uh actually their their most famous song off this record, their their big hit, if you want to call it a hit. It was a big hit down down under. There's a call a song called Shylock. Then it's about Shylock's the song the chorus just says Shylock, pay me now, pay me now. So yeah. It's not the most brilliant songwriting you've ever heard in terms of the lyrical content, but then you know, so is a lot of other stuff. It's not really. Anyway, this is a really, really good band. If you're into underground stuff like that, and if you're into like, if you're into stuff like even like Queens of the Stone Age, if you're into any of those like Caius or any of those kind of bands, like those fuzzy 90 bands and stuff where they use a lot of fuzz pedals and, and whatnot, um, this is a really, really cool record to check out. Uh, you could find it on YouTube, man. You know, you can easily listen to it on there for free. And uh, yeah, dude, naked. Yeah, he's kind of naked on there. You're gonna notice that was a thing <laughs> in the early '70s, man. There was, a, and I've got a couple other records. I'm gonna have to hold my <laughs> hand over because I don't want YouTube to censor this or anything. But man, those early '70s records, everything. Well, you know, hippies, I guess. You know, there was always about being naked. It seemed like I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. All right, so moving on to number four. With number four, I have another debut album. This is a personal favorite of mine. Um. This is, man, this is a great band, a very, very influential band uh, that I'm sure there's a bunch of you out there that are going to probably say, I never heard them before. You may have heard of them, but another one that doesn't get played on the radio, it is none other than the New York Dolls. Okay, now, the New York Dolls was a band from New York, go figure, <laughs> and uh they uh, were five guys that they started in America. They really started the whole glitter glam scene. Now, it had already been a thing over in England uh, with David Bowie, Mark Boland and T-Rex, 
Slade, Gary Glitter. There was a whole scene going on over there in England. Other than David Bowie, to be honest with you, the, the Glitter thing never really caught on big time. It, it had its following here in the States, but it just never really made the impact that it did over in Europe and in the UK. Because, I mean... There was a point where people thought like T-Rex was like the biggest band in the world, like after the Beatles and stuff. And most people here, you know, T-Rex, you'd know, get it on, bang a gong. Okay. I only know because I've heard you say T-Rex before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I know that song. Right. Right. Get it on, bang a gong. That was their only really big hit stateside over in Europe. Massive hits. Wow. So there needed to be somebody to kind of fill the void and do it American style, you know, because a lot of the the British, you know, glam stuff, it, it sounded British, which I, I love, but a lot of people here couldn't relate to it. It didn't have that grittier street rock and roll kind of sound that people in America just tended to gravitate more towards. <laughs> Enter the New York Dolls. Now, the lead singer is David Johansson. David Johansson, some of you might know better as being a, a well-known famous actor. He After the after the Dolls ended in the mid-late 70s, he went on to be an actor. He was in Scrooge. He was in <laughs> all kinds of things. Uh, I think he was in that remake of Car 54, Where Are You? He was, he was in all sorts of silly, good comedic actor And then the thing that, sadly, most people would know David Johansson from is that he changed his persona entirely and became Buster Poindexter from the 1980s, who did that song, Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot. (laughs) Yeah, that song. Really? Needless to say, (laughs) a lot of New York Dolls fans were very, very disappointed. Um, uh, You know, we we won't talk too much about the whole uh, Buster Poindexter thing, but in any case, what was interesting about the New York Dolls was that while they were doing a glam kind of thing, and they were really one of the first ones in America to do the whole glam, you know, with the makeup and the kind of girly clothes and the platform shoes thing, where they were really influential was because they were not the greatest musicians and their sound was really raw and raucous and stuff they were they are considered by many people to be one of the first true punk rock bands they influenced a lot of the the artists over in england conversely but not so much people that were into glam they influenced people who ended up starting punk rock so sex pistols huge new york dolls fans the clash huge new york dolls fans and then even and then even here in the united states they influenced bands the ramones were really when they were because they they were just kids they knew the new york dolls guys from the neighborhood and stuff so they looked up to the dolls but they were the ramones were basically too even more ugly than the dolls were there was no way they were going to be able to dress up like women and pull off the glam thing so the ramones, the ramones? Oh, yeah so the ramones went in the opposite direction did the the leather you know jackets and the whole kind of like weird like biker you know brooklyn biker you know <laughs> causing trouble in queens kind of look but a lo- almost <laughs> right but sound wise the ramones took a lot of their cues musically from the new york dolls as well as Another band, I don't know who was into this band, another band they started in 1973, played their first show on the same day I was born. They put makeup on. Oh, boy. 
I don't know who that would be. Um, I'm going to guess Kiss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Kiss kind of initially. They uh, Kiss, there's pictures out there of Kiss at first. When they first formed, they tried to do the whole androgynous look thing, and it, it looked so stupid. You know, it just didn't suit them because those guys were all like six foot four. <laughs> you know, I mean, Gene Simmons, he looks better under the demon makeup, and I think we can all agree about that, right? So anyway... New York Dolls, really, really influential record. It's so good. I, if you're into that kind of stuff, like if you're somebody who's like, well, I dig, you know, I dig early Kiss and I dig the Ramones, you know, I like that kind of catchy three and a half minute long, you know, song like Blitzkrieg Bop or any of those. If you're into that kind of stuff, but with a little bit more of like a 50s doo swagger thrown into it, a little bit of there's, you know, especially you look at David Johansson, there's there's not more you know than a little bit of uh rolling stone influence and mick jagger influence and what david johansson was doing and stuff so early aerosmith if you're into that definitely check out the new york dolls this is a great great album all right moving on to number three what do i have oh okay well number three so i think this one is going to surprise people a little bit not that it's on the list at all, but I think some it's only number three. Yeah, I think people are going to be really surprised that this is only number three because I'm talking about which is arguably I don't think you can even argue it. I mean, whether you're a fan or not, this is an album. I think it's probably still on the Billboard charts now. <laughs> it's sold hundreds of millions of copies, you know, at least tens of millions of copies, but it's probably got to be up near a hundred mil by now. What am I talking about? Anybody worth their salt knows what I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> about Dark Side of the Moon um, by Pink Floyd. What an iconic, I mean, maybe the iconic album. Again, even if you're not, even if you're like, man, I've never listened to Floyd in my life. You at least heard of it. You've heard of it. You've probably heard it somewhere. You've seen the album cover. I mean, this was this was the album that to me took progressive rock music and made it mainstream. Now, that's not a lot of people think of mainstream and they think that that's a negative thing. I don't think it's a negative thing. I don't think Pink Floyd compromised their sound or their values at all. They just happened to put together the perfect album of catchy songs have concept album all all you know it was everything all wrapped up in one perfect package here um i don't even know if i really need to talk that much about it because anybody out there that knows you know you know how great this album is but what some people might be wondering is um why can why, why is this only number three uh it's number three because as great of an album as it is, and I do love this album, it's not my favorite Floyd album. Um, the album they put out before this one, Metal, M-E-D-D-L-E, -E, Metal. Um, that album is more of a favorite of mine. And in a lot of ways, the two albums that came after this album, Wish You Were Here and especially Animals, those albums I find myself listening to more. I mean, I know this record inside and out, I, you know, especially when I was younger and I first discovered it. I listened to it a million times. There's songs. You'll know some of these songs, not only from the radio, but because I've played them play live. Them yeah, because I, I know them. <laughs> right. I do. I do brain damage live with my acoustic uh, act. I've done time live and stuff. So it's a great al album. But to me, I'm not going to say it's overrated. I think it deserves the rating it gets. But it's 
it's not my favorite album. It's not the most impactful album for me from 1973, uh, but it is a great album. I mean, again, if you haven't heard it, I, I don't know who hasn't heard it. If you haven't heard it, it's because you don't want to <laughs> listen to it and you're not going to. But anybody that has heard it and, uh, you know, I'd love to know what your favorite songs are off of Dark Side of the Moon. because um, Joe says Echoes on Metal. Awesome. Yes. See, I'm, I'm with Joe. That's Metal. Echoes. That's, I don't know if Echoes is my favorite Floyd song, but it's probably in the top three. But I'll save that for someday. Another, I'll do a t- I'll do a top five favorite <laughs> Floyd songs or something like that. But yeah, especially the live at Pompeii version. Oh my God, that, that, you just don't get any more iconic than that. Mm-hmm. But all right, so now already we're at the top two, wow. and and the top two. Um, this was really tough. I got to say before I pull it up here, either one of these albums could have been number one, and at one time or another. I had them. Yeah, they flip flopped (laughs) this this next one. I was going to make number one and I had it at number one until I really was honest with myself. (laughs) And what am I talking about? I am talking about Band on the Run by Wings. (laughs) Um, This is probably in at least in my opinion, this is probably the best thing that McCartney ever did after he left the Beatles. Um, and I love, I love a lot of his solo stuff. I love a lot of wings, uh, stuff and everything, but this album, it's one of those, every album that's in my top five here are what I would consider to be perfect albums. You know, like there are albums where it's like, I don't skip any tracks. I can listen to them all the way through. And it, and if it, and if it goes on repeat and it starts playing through again, I'm probably okay with that. <laughs> You're not going to stop it. Yeah, exactly. Let it happen. Exactly. <laughs> Just let it happen. <laughs> um, this is absolutely one of those albums band on the run. Uh, real quick backstory for those that might be interested. So, you know, McCartney had already done a couple of wings albums He had a lineup that he had built up basically around himself, around his wife, Linda, and around uh, the other vocalist and guitarist and sometimes bassist, uh, Denny Lane, who people would know as being a former member of the Moody Blues. Uh, He sang Go Now with the Moody Blues. Go Now. It's a good song. I'm not going to butcher it here. (laughs) But anyway, that was Denny Lane. So Denny and Paul, knowing each other from the Beatles and Moody Blues days, put this band together dragged poor Linda into it because she didn't even know how to play an instrument when she joined the band. Oh, is this the one where she started playing with them? Well, yeah, she had started playing with them before that, but I feel like, I feel like this album is where it really like came together. Ironically, because the other two members of the band, the lead guitar player and the drummer quit the night before they were supposed to fly down to Lagos of all places to go record this album. They didn't want to go to Lagos. They were like, well, you know, believe it, you know, some stories say they weren't actually getting, they didn't feel they were getting paid enough by Mr. McCartney and them. I don't know, but uh, they were saying, we don't want to go to Lagos. We don't, we don't necessarily want to do this. We're not really feeling the band anymore. (laughs) So they quit at the last minute. And, uh, dick move. Yeah, that was a super dick move (laughs) on their part. Paul and Linda and Denny, needless to say, were, very nonplussed by this but um so they went to lagos anyway and paul being paul 
because he's like, well, uh, let's see. I can sing. I can play guitar. I can play bass. I can play drums. I can play keyboards, you know, and then I've got Denny and Linda to fill in the rest of it for me. Ah, fuck it. I'll just do it on my own. And that's what he did. Uh, He made this album. There's only three people on this record, which is kind of why it's funny that you look on the cover. Like six people on there. Well, but if you look really closely on the cover, I know it's hard for people to see, but you can look it up online if you can't see it on either of the, the one I'm holding or the one on the side there. Uh, what they did was they got a bunch of famous celebrities that Paul admired to be on the cover. James Coburn, the famous old actor, is on there. Uh, Christopher Lee, I think, is in there somewhere. Uh, there's a famous uh, footballer uh, from England that's in there. Uh, I don't remember everybody's names off the top of my head, so forgive me. But anyway, this is just an album chock full of amazing songs. It starts off with Band on the Run, which most people you know that song i've played it many times mm-hmm. at my shows and then it goes right into jet which is another amazing song every song hang on i gotta look at this every song <laughs> on this album yeah i mean look at this band on the run then jet then it goes into bluebird which is a beautiful ballad of his uh miss vanderbilt's a good song let me roll it is a excellent gritty bluesy rock song side two's got oh, picasso's last words that's a funny i want to tell a real quick story about that so Paul is known for being a, obviously a great songwriter, but he's also known for being very spontaneous. Like he can get influenced by something and then write a song in 10 minutes. And he's written songs in 10 minutes that have gone on to be Huge hits. big, big hits. <laughs> and he was at a party. I, I, if anybody knows better, please, in the comments, correct me. I believe he was at a party and I want to say it was Dustin Hoffman, perhaps, that was there. And was kind of grilling Paul and was like, I heard that you can write anything, you know, that you're blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, is that true? And Paul was like, well, yeah, you know, yeah, kind of, I, I tend to do that and everything. And he was like, all right, well, why don't you write, write a song, write a song about Picasso, you know, write, write a song, something about him, you know, and everything. And they got into talking about Picasso, about his famous last words that he said on his deathbed when he said, he told his friends and everybody as he was dying, said, drink to me, drink to my health. You know, I can't drink anymore. And so Paul, like right away, I think he, he was, I don't know if he had a guitar, he was at the piano and just right away he was like, okay. And he came up with the chorus, drink to me, drink to my health, you know I can't drink anymore. And he basically wrote a song called Picasso's Last at Words a at a party on a dare. Then it's on the album and it's a brilliant song. It's This is Wings, right? Dave Lesko? Yes, yes. Paul McCartney and Wings, Band on the Run album. Yeah, so it's not solo, although... For all practical purposes, it may as well be a solo album. (laughs) Um, But he did have input from Denny and and Linda. And people, you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity real quick. I know people go, oh, Linda McCartney. Fuck you. Linda (laughs) McCartney was awesome. She was an awesome humanitarian. She was an awesome photographer. She was an awesome person. And I really like the quirky stuff that she contributed. And she did get much better. If you go and you watch like the live concert stuff, like Rock Show from 76 and everything, you know, she's rocking, man. She's doing great. And hey, man, Paul, to me, is like the greatest musician of all time. And if it was good for Paul, good enough for Paul McCartney, then it was good enough for all of you. So anyway, <laughs> this is a great album. This easily could have been my number one because it's to me, it's oops, excuse me. It is an absolute must have album. Uh, you should everybody should at least listen to it through and put headphones on. It, it's, it's a really, really good album.
You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. But I'm already at my number one. My number one. So nice. what could it possibly <laughs> what be? could it possibly be? Well, I guess so people that are like, come on, Larry, you're not talking about much heavy stuff, bro. All that kind of stuff. Well, okay, well, here you go. Fair enough. I make up for it. I'm gonna pull up what is not only my favorite album of nineteen uh seventy-three, but it's an album that I think um I think that this album basically is probably, hang on, I'm trying to turn off my messages so they don't bling through here. <laughs> it's uh, just Matt. Hi, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I still hearing him? Sorry, that was me. Oh, was that you? Yeah, <laughs> But anyway, um, I basically feel that this is the best album of this band's career uh, that I'm about to show right now. Let me get it queued oh, up. We have some guesses coming in what they think they might be. <laughs> Let's see. Dave says, is he right? Mm, is he not Black right? Sabbath. Uh, so, okay. All right. Yeah. So, well, you know, Dave, you're my oldest friend, man. So I guess you would know, right? It is none other than Black Sabbath sabbath bloody sabbath um to me this is the best thing they ever did uh this album is it was such a leap forward for them i uh, i it's not to say i don't love their earlier stuff the the debut paranoid uh, master reality and volume four i love volume four the, those four albums are great but i feel like something happened <laughs> yeah, good. Dave says, hell yeah, go me. Dave wins. <laughs> you won. He yeah. wins. Yeah. He won the spindle win. There you go. <laughs> you don't win anything. Although I am supposed to be sending you some records soon, Dave. I did not forget about you and I'm I'm going to. Um, but uh, to me, they just took like a massive jump in songwriting and production and then they're playing. I mean, there's songs on this album like uh, Looking for Today and Spiral, especially Spiral Architect. Songs like that, they never would have made it onto an earlier Sabbath album. They would have been looked at as being too, um, I don't know, too complex in a way, which doesn't mean it's not prog rock by any means. But just the songwriting, I, if you compare it to something like Sweet Leaf or Iron Man or Paranoid or something like that, uh, yeah, they're, they're night and day difference to me. And I think those songs I mentioned, oh, Spiral Architect, what a great song. It's got incredible keyboards on this that I believe were done by Rick Wakeman from Yes, as well as many other bands. Um, this, is, this is the best thing Sabbath ever did. Now, their follow-up album from 1975, uh, Sabotage, is a real, real close second. Mm -hmm. But I just think this album is absolutely brilliant. There's a lot to delve into. It's the most diverse album. Um, of course, it's got Iomi's uh, traditional quiet instrumental like flamenco acoustic type guitar stuff in here when he does the song called Fluff. 
Is it is fluff. I mean, that was just <laughs> that was just being honest. I guess you listen to it and go, "Well, this is fluff." Well, it is, but it's a it's beautiful, beautiful guitar playing on that. Um, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. The title tracks one of the heaviest, most influential songs for metal ever created. Killing yourself to live is a great song. National Acrobat. Ah, I could go on for days about this, but yeah, to me, especially if you're if you're somebody that's only familiar with Black Sabbath stuff, like you're like, well, I've heard Paranoid and Iron Man and War Pigs like five billion times on on classic rock radio, and it's okay, but you know, kind of, you know, I don't care if I never hear those songs again. So blah blah blah. If that's like your main exposure to uh, Black Sabbath, I would say check out Sabbath Bloody Sabbath because there's you know, there's still some of like the heavy plotting, super heavy proto doom metal on here but there's a lot of other a lot of other textures some of ozzy's most brilliant vocals so you know ozzy can be hit or miss as everybody knows sometimes (laughs) his vocals on a lot of these songs are just great the lyrics on this are great they started getting away from i feel like some of the more cliche crap they were doing on their first few albums sorry i know people are going to think that's blasphemy it's just my opinion remember this is all opinions folks it's just (laughs) there's no right or wrong uh anyway yeah i would say sabbath bloody sabbath and the reason that i chose this as number one is because just being honest with myself out of all of these records this is the one that's probably the biggest influence on me musically because so much of what i do comes from this you know this is where a lot of the roots of my playing and the writing i've done in my band november's doom it this is where the roots come from it's from this especially this album this one in sabotage there's there's a lot of that in my playing so as much as i love band on the run by wings as much as i love you know uh new york dolls and all that stuff i I just had to admit to myself that this had the most influence on me out of that i would say pink floyd and queen probably would be the next ones that have the most influence on me in terms of my writing and my playing out of this list but those particular albums from 1973 i wouldn't say were the biggest influences you know what i mean if i was going to pick a queen album that i go what's the biggest queen influence on me it'd be night at the opera that that really really influenced me if it was pink floyd i would probably say metal and i would say animals those would be the ones that basically i've ripped off the most (laughs) (laughs) over the years so but this album this sabbath bloody sabbath album this is the one that was the biggest influence on me so that's it that's my top five but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop. But wait, there. there's more. Oh, there's more. We got comments coming in. Yeah, read them off. Yeah, Dave um, said Spiral Architect is awesome. Yes, it's beautiful song. And Sabra Cadabra. Sabra Cadabra. Yeah, Another silly great song. Yeah, good boogie, good boogie beat song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Anthrax cover of Bloody Sabbath. Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Sabbath whatever. Yeah. Is These are all tongue twisters. Yeah. For you. What is it? Sabbath An- Bloody Sabbath. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Anthrax version, it's one of my favorite covers of all time. I remember getting that on the, on the man EP by Anthrax. Everybody remembers I'm the man, their silly rap song they made back in 1987. <laughs> uh, it was on the B side of that. And, uh, it's great. Scott Ian just chunks up that guitar riff so beautifully. But anyway, all right. But I want to, a day at the races is also good. Joe says, yeah, I mean, I, I'm guys, trust me. 
there's going to be a lot of queen content coming up on this channel. <laughs> um, so, you know, don't worry if you're like, oh, you should be talking about this and that. No, I'm just I'm just I'm just uh, I'm just yeah, I'm just focusing on 1973 for this one. And believe me, there's enough to talk about here. So moving on real quick, I'm going to try to breeze through these as quick as I can. I have honorable mentions because these are ones that just I felt like had to get mentioned. And I know that some of these also got mentioned in the Geeking Squad group because I posted the other day that I was going to be doing this and I asked for people's uh, input on that. Mm -hmm. And some of these got mentioned in there. Um, I'm pretty sure this one got mentioned. In fact, I, I know it did. And what is this? It is. Selling England by the Pound by Genesis. So this is the penultimate album for Peter Gabriel era uh, Genesis. Uh, he, it was not long after they toured for this that he came to the conclusion that uh, he didn't want to be in Genesis anymore, mm. uh, which was a real problem because <laughs> everybody in Genesis was very important, but it was Peter Gabriel and he was the dude, you know, um, he did stick around long enough for them to do the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway album and did that crazy, crazy tour with them. But at the end of that, I mean, he was done and he knew he was done. It was after that that they carried on with uh, 1976 with their new lead singer who wasn't really new because he had been in the band the whole time pretty much. But it was their drummer, Phil Collins. So uh, Phil Collins had an uncanny knack of sounding like peter gabriel but still sounding like himself so he was he was perfect they couldn't find anybody better than phil to do it so and it was the drummer so hey you just you never know any case selling england by the pound this is a great album um not a really popular one here stateside uh although they did do touring and stuff here for it the one song that occasionally gets played on radio here is a song called i know what i like in your wardrobe um which is basically him singing about how he's a lawnmower it's Peter Gabriel. He, yeah, I mean, he did the whole thing live. Me, I'm just a lawnmower. You can tell by the way I walk. And he would he would put on this goofy like hat, looked like he was like a uh, gardener guy, and he'd put a bunch of like straw weeds things in his mouth, and he'd be going around stage with these weeds, acting, doing his interpretation of what a lawnmower is. I love Genesis, man. <laughs> I love early Genesis. Uh, you know, that's why I always go see the musical box. The 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 touring tribute act for early Genesis. So I've gotten to see a lot of this stuff reenacted. This is great. If you're into early Genesis, if you're into Peter Gabriel, if you're a little more open-minded and you like some epic weirdness, <laughs> this is a great album to get into. Um, it did not make my top five um, because as much as I love early Genesis, I love early Genesis so much. Um, I'm, 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 I'm a fanatical fan of early Genesis. I didn't put that in my list only because it's again, like some of the, it's not my favorite. There are other early Genesis albums that had they come out this year, absolutely would have been in the top five, but as such, I, something had to go, you know, and a lot of these, especially when you see them, it's man, it's so hard. Uh, moving on. Here's another one that I'm sure a lot. And I saw this mentioned uh, in the squad and i'm sure a lot of people are going to be really shocked that it's not here in the top five they're gonna be like how did that not make the top five it is none other than houses of the holy by i'm going to cover that up 
<laughs> some nakedness going on. Yeah, over there. cover up, cover up all these. Uh, yeah, naked. Yeah, there we go. You can so, cover one of them. There yeah, <laughs> I'll do the best I can there. Sorry, YouTube. Um, you see, I found a edited version there because oh. when you buy this record in the store, new, it would come with a band around it, like you see in that photo there. Uh, that that would kind of obscure some of it and everything, and totally understand why. Um, I mean, it's it's not an erotic picture, but it's still naked. It's still naked. And it's still like kids or whatever they are, little people. I don't know what they are. But in any case, um, Led Zeppelin, Houses of the Holy. This this is this is such a great album. Um, I didn't put it in because as much as, again, I'm a big Zeppelin fan, I feel like the album that came out before this one, which was Led Zeppelin 4, and the album that came out of it, which was physical graffiti. I feel like those were overall stronger albums than this one, which isn't to say that this doesn't have some amazing material. I, there's some favorite Zeppelin songs on here. The title track song remains the same. The rain song was, oh God, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. One of the best written uh, guitar songs of all time. The tuning in that is so fun and unusual and i've spent many many hours learning that song and playing it and getting all the little intricacies of it <clears throat> it's a great song um but those songs along with some of the other songs on the album um dancing days over the hills and far away i love these songs i actually prefer the songs off this album live i think that while the recorded studio versions are fine i, I love them if I have a choice, I'm going to listen to the live versions of them because there's just something better. Even the the rain song on this album, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. But the live version, like the one that they did on the song remains the same um, uh, soundtrack, you know, uh, man, it's so epic and so huge. It, it's yeah. So for me, great songs, but uh, I, I yeah. Some it, it it just didn't make it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would be in top ten for me. I mean that's why it's in the honorable mentions, but just didn't make it. All right, moving on. Uh, another absolutely brilliant, brilliant album, and it's another one that I saw get mentioned by some of you in the squad comments as being favorites of yours. It is an epic, epic double album from none other than Mr. Elton John, and we have Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. This is, uh, man, it's hard when it comes to Elton John to pick like a best album because he's got so much good stuff. Um, and some of his albums tend to be a little hit or miss in that some of, I, for me, at least there's some Elton albums, even early ones where he has songs on there that are absolutely brilliant and wonderful, but there's a lot of other stuff that I don't care for. Um, in not even that it's bad, but just there's skip tracks, you know, mm. I wouldn't this is probably one of his least skippable track albums for me. I, I have no problem. It's a long album. Uh, there's a lot of songs on this album. This definitely is one that I can, especially on the right day, I can listen to all the way through because uh, it's got some amazing material on it. But uh, again, it just it just it couldn't make it into my top five. It wasn't as influential as those other records were, but this is, I mean, gosh, this just the side one 
of the first record on here alone. You have Funeral for a Friend, and then it goes into Love Lies Bleeding. Then it goes into Candle in the Wind. Then it ends the side with Benny and the Jets. Like, that is as good of a side one as ever has been made. I mean, that's so that's such an amazing batch of music that just the side one of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is worthy of all the praise in the world. And then side two starts with the song Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, which is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite songs of all time. And it's my favorite Elton John song. Absolutely brilliant. This is a great, great record. Um, This is when Elton was really, really getting famous and all the crazy stuff started kind of rearing its head in his life right about this time and everything. And it, it shows there, there's like a, there's an energy and even a sadness at times throughout this record. There's a lot to delve into with this record. This is another, like if you got a Sunday afternoon and you got some headphones and some time and you want to chill out, put on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and just listen to it all the way through at least once in your life. Trust me. It's really good. Are we getting any comments in there? Um, yeah, John Force says no quadrophenia. Quadrophenia. I'm going to get to that. Hang on. Okay. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> he, thought, he thought for sure that Zeppelin. I know, man. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what I said. It, it, it Any one of these could have potentially easily really been in the top five but as it was i put six in my top five so you know um and i mean yeah a lot of people that know me are gonna see these these honorable mentions be like dude how did that not make it into your list especially this next one and people like john forst is gonna know because you know he grew up with me and everything and you know we have the same relatives and gonna be like oh how did you not include this and i know this would be one of one you would potentially pick megan it it is none other than 1973's david bowie aladdin sane i mean Mm -hmm. like I was surprised, yeah. I thought he for sure Bowie would make the list, but not the year, huh? It's Wasn't just it's just not the year. Yes. Um I think Aladdin Sane is a brilliant album. It's a great album. Uh this was him in the thick of the whole Ziggy Stardust persona. Um this is the album that follows the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Um it it's a great album. I personally prefer pretty considerably prefer rise and fall of ziggy stardust and spiders from mars which again doesn't mean that i don't think this album's good this album's great it's a great album but um yeah this one isn't quite as solid of a all the way through listen for me i've listened to this album all the way through many many times but i'm saying in terms of one that i put on where i just put it on and forget it and let it let it let it play all the way through um yeah, there's there's stuff that I could kind of now and then skip. I mean, you know, his cover, his version of "Let's Spend the Night Together," it's cool. Eh, you know, "Panic in Detroit" is cool. You know, but uh, the really good songs on here, are like things like "Watch That Man," uh, "Time," which is a great song. "Gene Genie," that's the one that most people would probably know. "Gene Genie," absolutely essential album to have if you're a bowie fan i mean there's no self-respecting bowie fan that shouldn't have this but um it's just it, like i said it had to get left off because it's not my favorite uh had this been rise and fall of ziggy stardust absolutely would have made it into my top five 
So, but that would have been for 1970, what, two? Something like that. Matt says, if you're going to have five extra honorable mentions, why not just do a top 10? Don't tease us. Because there's more well, than 10. Yeah, there's probably going to be. <laughs> I, you know why? Because honestly, because there's a significance with the top five being top five. Like I said, I mean, I feel I feel like these need to be mentioned. These honorable mentions should be mentioned because they're just great albums and they are albums I enjoy. And these are ones that I'm picking out because they got mentioned by a bunch of the Geeking Squad members as being favorites. Bowie got mentioned. Uh, the Zeppelin got mentioned. Elton John got Genesis. mentioned. Genesis. They all got mentioned. So I want to bring those up and everything. I love these albums too. But for me, they're not like your top five they're not the essential top five um right exactly now this is another one that's going to surprise people that this is not in my list and because i mean this is this is the guy the band the guy that started me on music this is why i am who i am and everything but it wasn't this album which is the key here and i am talking about 1973's billion dollar babies by Alice Cooper. Um, I mean, this is an album that a lot of Cooper fans say like, oh, that's the best album, like Billion Dollar Babies. Usually most people say it's a toss up between Billion Dollar Babies and Welcome to My Nightmare from 1975. Um, I, I love both of those albums, uh, but Billion Dollar Babies is a great album. I do love songs on this album. I love the title track. I love uh, Generation Landslide is a great song. I love the playing. I'm a huge, I mean, for those that don't know, I mean, when I was two or three years old, my aunt and uncle played me kind of as a joke, trying to scare my cousins and I played me an Alice Cooper album called Love It to Death because it had some real, it's Alice Cooper. So of course it had creepy stuff on there and spooky and it would get real loud and scary and all this stuff. It had the complete opposite effect on me than anybody expected. Instead, it created a monster because that really made me fascinated. I was absolutely fascinated with what I heard. And um, even before Kiss, even before the Beatles, before Queen, before any of that stuff, before any other heavy metal bands, any of that stuff, it was Alice Cooper, Love It to Death, that completely blew my mind. You know, I mean, I wasn't even in school yet. You know, I, I didn't understand what I was listening to, but all I knew was that it was fascinating. And uh, it, it's, it, I, I am who I am because of hearing that album. So I have a deep love for Alice Cooper, especially the early Alice Cooper band. Uh, before he went solo and this is a great album it's just not an album i find myself listening to that much um the the, the a lot of the good songs on here like billion dollar babies no more mr nice guy you probably know that song right mm -hmm. you know um elected i want to be elected yeah i i you know, a lot of those get played on classic rock radio, so I do get to hear them from time to time they're all on the greatest hits album from 1974 Great songs, um, but other stuff that's on here that's like signature stuff like Sick Things and I Love the Dead and all that silly shit. Um, they're not songs I really want to sit around and listen to. They're great when he does it live because they're made for live because mm -hmm. of the whole show that he, you know, he brings out the big boa constrictor when he does Sick Things and it's creepy and, you know, he has the spotlight on him and, it, you know, perfect live songs. Much like what I said about Houses of the Holy album. Live, love this songs, but 
in terms of the studio album, I, I just, I don't listen to this that much. So it couldn't make it into my list. And just as a real quick aside, I also want to mention that Alice Cooper released two albums that year. He released um, an album called Muscle of Love that came out at the very end of 1973. And actually, I listened to that album more than I listened to Billion Dollar Babies, even though most people consider Muscle of Love to be possibly the weakest album from the early Alice Cooper band stuff and everything. It was their, it, I mean, it, it was in part led to their breakup and everything in 1975. I really like muscle of love. I think it's a more interesting album. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's got great stuff on there. Teenage lament 74, the title track muscle of love, big apple dreaming. Uh, he even wrote <laughs> Alice found out that they were the next James Bond movie that was coming out was supposed to be the man with the golden gun. Mm-hmm. So and, you know, as everybody knows, they would always pick a famous artist to do like the theme song, like McCartney did Live and Let Die, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, so he decided, hey, let's write a song, make it sound all James Bondy, and we'll call it The Man with the Golden Gun. They're, they got to use it. Like, they'll have to use it. Well, the, the, the last <laughs> thing that the producers of James Bond wanted was a fucking Alice Cooper song. Now they would totally do that because Alice Cooper, you know, I mean. No, you know, he's not scary or anything anymore. But back in 1974, Alice Cooper was considered like very subversive, you know, like this was very, uh, you know, uh, underground, scary metal, whatever kind of thing, which is funny because like a year later he wound up on Hollywood squares. (laughs) (laughs) Alice Cooper is about as genuinely scary as like, you know, animal from the Muppets. Actually, animals probably scarier than him, but. Um, anyway, so th- I, both of those Alice Cooper albums are great, but they're not favorites of mine. Um, last but not least, I'm going to throw this out because I know I saw people mentioning this band and everything before is, uh, wait, hang on a second. Torture was popular in the family. Yeah. <laughs> is he telling the stories about? They're telling stories about you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I got the least amount of, no, I shouldn't say that. John, I, unfortunately... Our cousin Cindy, our older cousin Cindy, you know Cindy. Mm-hmm. Cindy was real big on just tormenting her cousins, her younger cousins, and we <laughs> we all bore that. we all bore the brunt of it, you know. And uh, later on, I would I kind of, I I guess I could say I was sort of the Igor to her Doctor Frankenstein, you know. But it was mostly just so I, you know, to protect my own. Hide. I was gonna say you wouldn't be the brunt of it then. <laughs> yeah. When it when like yeah your enemies closer kind of thing. right when she would start tormenting poor John it was just like I was just like okay well I guess I'm tagging along here <laughs> but uh, anyway uh, the funny thing is uh, yeah so the moving on the, I don't have this one I funnily enough as big of a fan as I am of this I don't have this on vinyl but I have the picture here and it is Vagabonds of the Western World by Thin Lizzy. Uh, Great record. It's the last record they did as a three-piece with Eric Bell on guitar before he quit or was out. I think he quit, actually. He he had some sort of mental breakdown or something like that. And then they decided to replace him with two guitar players, which was when they got Brian Robertson and Scott Gorham. And you know, anybody that knows me, those are my heroes, man. Like Scott Gorham, you know, that's that's my my jam. That's my hero. Uh, So I love... All Thin Lizzy, and I love this record. This is a great record. This is the one where they do Whiskey in the Jar, which a lot of people know that song. Uh, they have also have a song called The Rocker, which is a great, upbeat, 
dancey rock song that lives up to its title. Uh, it's a great record. Little Darlin'. Oh, super great song uh, from early Lizzie. But again, this is just, not, it's not one of those ones that I find myself putting on real frequently. Happy to hear it when I hear it, but it wouldn't be a top five for me. So that's kind of where it would be. Uh, Gearnob says, what do you say? Jailbreak, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, John Four says he was Cindy's Igor in his teens and 20s. Yeah, yeah, you you definitely were. Yeah, that's that's just Cindy. Our Cindy is definitely the uh, the Dr. Frankenstein of the family. <laughs> <laughs> She's also a big vinyl collector, too. So she she'd is. probably so John, you need to tell her, uh, make sure you tell her to check out this video later and stuff. You know, she'll be able to watch it on YouTube and everything. She'll probably get a kick out of it. She's going to argue with me about my choices, too. I know she's going to be so mad that I didn't put Led Zeppelin in my top five. But I stand by my choice. Had it been if it would have been Led Zeppelin three. Would have probably been number one, but that's a whole other debate. Anyway, so that's that's it for uh, that. Uh, again, there was other there were other records that got mentioned by people. As you could see here, there were so many iconic albums that came out. There was Tales from Topographic Oceans by Yes got mentioned. Uh, Mind Games by John Lennon. That's a, that's a big one. Uh, I saw, in fact, I think Alexander mentioned Lark's Tongues in the Aspic by King Crimson absolutely great album love that album it's not a favorite of mine but it is a great album and uh you know it would deserve to be on some people's lists uh iggy and the stooges raw power uh iggy pop you know that's another proto punk proto metal kind of album very very influential it's it's a great one um that I probably, I used to listen to it a lot. I probably need to put that on again. It's been a minute. Uh, Stevie Wonder, Inner Visions. What a great album. This is when Stevie Wonder just really started getting, I mean, he was, Stevie Wonder was always incredible from when he was a little kid, you know, he was, he was amazing. But it was this period that I think was the most fertile for him. Um, the, uh, of course, Inner Visions has songs like Higher Ground, which a lot of people would know because the Chili Peppers did it. It's the one that I always end up playing because Troy at the acoustic shows is always like, play Chili Peppers. So I just play Higher Ground because technic- <laughs> technically I'm cheating because I'm actually playing Stevie Wonder. Um, but great record. It's I, I, I like the next album better. I like songs in the key of life better. I think it's a more complete album than Inner Visions, but Inner Visions is a great album. Uh, again, back to the super prog stuff, Emerson, Lake and Palmer ELP with brain salad surgery. That's a super iconic album. Plus that amazing HR Giger, uh, artwork on the cover. Another one that I saw got mentioned. I think Danny mentioned it in the chat is he said, uh, trace hombres by ZZ top, you know, great ZZ top album. Uh, again, another, another awesome one that I admit I probably, I just haven't listened to it often enough. You know, I, I have that. I had Trey Sombre's on tape. I've never had it on vinyl, believe it or not, but I need to fix that eventually. Uh, Goat's Head Soup by the Rolling Stones. Um, it's a, it's a really cool record. As you can see on the screen there, it's got the, the, the cover most people are familiar with that real weird cover with Jagger's creepy face there and everything. I actually have the alternate cover version, which I think is much more creepy and cool with the, uh, it's taking it more literal where it's got a goat and a big old vat of soup. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty gross. Right. But I, it's, I just thought it was kind of (laughs) cool and it's a great album. It's got star star on it. Um, man, heartbreaker, uh, which if you've been to enough, uh, (laughs) if you've been to enough jam nights at the sunset lounge in Indiana, you have heard heartbreaker. Believe me. (laughs) Oh boy. 
Heartbreaker. Oh, boy. But anyway, um, yeah, Angie, the song. Angie, Angie. It's a great, great song. So, yeah, lots of good choices on there. What else was on there? Oh, man, uh, Marvin Gaye, Let's Get It On. Let's get it on. So <laughs> Matt just said, let's get it on. <laughs> oh, it's a great, great album. I love that album. Um, that could have potentially been in a top 10 for me, uh, especially in the right day, the right. I mean, that's a mood album, you know, it's, that's the mood. That's a That's a great album. I love Marvin Gaye. Again, uh, I probably am a bigger fan of some of his other stuff, What's Going On you know, which is absolutely incredible, but you know, let's get it on. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then last but not least I threw on here because again, people were mentioning it was, uh, the first Leonard Skinner album, another debut, you know, that's got Freebird on it. It's got a lot of, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, on there. I think simple man might be on that one as well. Uh, again, I mean, you know, it's fucking Skinner. It's Freebird. I mean, you know, cool for me personally, <laughs> Uh, second helping their second album that's my jam that's my skinnered album that's the one that's got ballad of curtis Lowe. it's got sweet home alabama it's got uh, i think needle in the spoon it's got a lot of really 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 good skinner tunes on that album so for me the first album as great as it is eh, it wouldn't make it into my top five or probably even my top ten uh al green he brings oh the six oh six yeah, wives of Henry the Eighth yeah 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 for your pleasure by Roxy Music great one great one not um that's got let's see what's on for your pleasure do the strand is on that one that's a great song um yeah some of these I just haven't listened to in a long time I love the first Roxy Music album the one with uh, Eno on it and stuff that's got Virginia Plain and all in Lady Tron and all that stuff on there so again. Any any one of these, I love Roxy music. That could easily be in there. The last with, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, so many good ones to choose from this year. I would love to hear more suggestions from you all. If you're listening to this, I'm going to put this up on Spotify later. And, uh, well, it'll be on Podbean. It'll be on all the streaming services. You can download our stuff, most of our stuff. Uh, sometimes if we have super visual stuff, we don't put it up for the audio listeners because mm -hmm. then it's kind of everybody's, everybody's just going to yell at us and be like, we don't know what you're talking about. You did, Matt. You missed the New York Dolls. Yes. New York Dolls came in at number four. Yep. You're, you're going to, Matt, you're going to have to go back and, and rewatch, re man. You know, and I encourage everybody, please, if you if you missed this from the beginning or not the very beginning, because, again, there was a little bit of technical, a little <laughs> bit of technical the first stuff. 10 minutes. Yeah, the first 10 minutes you could probably do without. But um, <laughs> go back and listen to everything I said. And uh, I want to know more input from you guys. Uh, let's see. Jesus Christ Superstar. It's another one. Yeah, I actually I have that one, too. I love Jesus Christ Superstar. That's a That's a really, really great musical. Um, Got to be in the mood for that one. It's pretty epic. Uh, I mean, it's, it's Jesus Christ Superstar. I mean, you wouldn't expect anything else from it, but <laughs> epic, right? But yeah, let me know in the comments. And everybody, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you, Meg, for helping me out with this. You're very welcome. And uh, let me know what you think of Spin to Win. I, we've had people asking us for so long 
Like, when are you going to talk about music? Ever since you and I and Vito started this back in 2018, we said right off the bat, oh, we're going to talk about all kinds of music. And then we like never did. <laughs> we talked well, about. We've, we've had a few roadblocks. Yeah, we had a couple of roadblocks. We've, yeah. we've recorded many things that we cannot now air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For various reasons, technical and otherwise, there were reasons things didn't get released. But finally. We're here. And we're not going anywhere. Yeah, we're, 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 we're doing it you know, and doing it well. Oh, wow. Did I just, I just quoted LL Cool Are you J. being, um, yeah. <laughs> oh no, just don't even say I'm it. Not gonna, no. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm going to finish it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, let us know what you think of Spin to Win. Let me know. I would. We have plenty of ideas, but we want to know what kind of stuff would you like to hear us talk about, whether it's top fives or top tens, like Matt mentioned in the chat, or if there's like um, retrospectives you want us to do about certain artists, certain genres. I've got a lot of stuff I want to talk about in Spin to Win where I want to talk about um, some music history stuff. I know Meg's going to be doing some segments talking about some music history stuff and everything. <laughs> Why are you making that face? You, 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 we already recorded some of it and you did very well on it. Always Meg's we'll, we'll like, let oh, them judge. yeah, exactly. We're going to have, you know, music trivia type stuff. We're going to have all kinds of stuff like that. It only makes sense because everybody on Geeking Poetic you know, three of the four hosts are musicians and the fourth is Not a big me. and the fourth is a big music fan. So, you know, and we're going to cover all genres. I mean, I don't want anybody to think it's just going to be metal or it's just going to be rock. We're going to talk got about your country girl over here. Today. Yeah, we got. And I like older country stuff. She likes some newer country stuff. Uh, you know, I especially I love bluegrass. I'm a big bluegrass fan. So Bill Monroe, that sort of thing. I love all that. Um, you know, blues, jazz. I love jazz. Uh, I love pop music, man. I love a lot of pop music. I think a lot of modern pop is garbage. But there is some true gems out there in the pop world. Even today, there's some great stuff. And some that I have on vinyl that I'm going to be happy to talk about and show off. So mm -hmm. I'm super eager and I'm super excited to be doing Spin to Win at last. Um, we got people saying down with bluegrass. Good. All right. Tammy's down with bluegrass. That's great. I mean, so it's going to be that if you're the kind of person that is just real narrow minded and you're like, I only want to hear about one kind of music. Well, then either you're only going to want to watch certain episodes <laughs> or you're just going to want to find another show because that's just not me. I'm, I'm about as diverse as it gets. Just just about. So anyway, thank you, everybody, man. It's been a pleasure being here and uh, we're going to be back soon with more spin to win stuff. I especially want to hear the feedback so that we know because I don't have plans for what's going to be next. I have a couple ideas, a couple of things I want to talk about certain guitar hero from the 70s and 80s that I really want to talk about that we planned. I was going to talk about some of his catalog because he passed away not long ago. Mm. Hint, hint. Um, that I really want to get into and talk about on this show because I'm a big fan. But all right, everybody. Thank you so much and uh, see you soon. Bye.